0: Welcome in to this archived episode of the original Essay Talk podcast. It's your favorite local podcast host and retirement advisor, Zach Espediqueta. With the changes to the original podcast and rebrand in May of 2021, the current events and interview follow-up segments were taken out of these archived episodes for easier accessibility to the interview itself. Most new listeners just want to hear the interview anyway. Keep that in mind if you hear any references made to other segments or when you hear some of the old podcast music. I really hope you enjoy this interview. Be sure to give the podcast a rate and review on Apple Podcasts, and a follow on social media at Network. Enjoy the episode. Welcome back, and like we mentioned earlier, we have a special guest joining us on the podcast today. Her name is Lika Torline. She was born in McAllen, Texas, graduated from Texas State in San Marcos, was not only awarded Best in the City Cosmetics in 2015, but also Best Locally Made Product in 2019, but most importantly, the owner and founder of In the Weeds Natural Skincare.
1: So, welcome, Lika. We are so excited to have you here and learn more about In the Weeds. But before we, um, you know, jump into your company, we want to know a little bit about you and your backstory and
2: how you came up with this idea. Hi, thank you so much for having me. So, I do have quite the backstory. My business, like um, Zach said, is called In the Weeds Natural Skincare. And In the Weeds is a service industry term. Um, if you've ever worked in, in a bar or a restaurant, In the Weeds means Um, At least, you know, I define it as you have a lot of tables, you're looking out there and you're just wondering how you're going to get them all done um, and you're just trying to catch up. So let's backtrack a little bit. Um, In 2010, I did graduate from Texas State um, with a degree in interior design and it was in the time of the, you know, right after the recession. So a lot of people weren't buying houses, let alone, you know, an interior designer. And I got to the point where I couldn't even really find a bartending job. I remember getting um, offered a two-night-a-week job in New Braunfels, and the bar is still closed at midnight, so it was a little dreary. And um, just got to the point where <laughs> I was a college graduate, I had run out of money, and had to, you know, go back home. So I ended up um, working for a furniture store, and I used to do all the displays for the LAX furniture stores in the valley. And it was a, it was a fun job. It wasn't really what I went to school for, but it was, you know, relative. And during that time, um, you know, I had been hired to take over my boss's position because she was retiring. And so I was, you know, I'd get left alone with the crew a lot and a bunch of guys in the warehouse for unloading boxes. And um, I used to come home with like a pocket full of nails all the time. And um, it was a very physically demanding job. And in the spring after I had gotten hired, I had suffered a really bad back injury to the point where I had like numbness in my feet and um, couldn't stand up straight all the time. And uh, that summer, I ended up having to be highly medicated and I ended up gaining um, just from, you know, steroids and other medications and then the immobility about 75 pounds or so in about eight months. And that was just a lot for me, not just only for like, you know, my confidence, but at the same time, I was um, getting really angry with the physicians and the doctors that were prescribing this to me, because if anything, I thought that the weight was making, it's almost like they were adding a backpack to my back that was already broken. So it was just, I I was kind of getting mad at the fact that, you know, they put me in this position. So... I ended up having to leave the job that I had gotten hired for because I then was a liability, and um, they they even hired somebody before even letting me know that I wasn't going to be getting that position anymore, and so that was just like a you know pull the what was it saying pull the wool over your eyes or uh-huh. <laughs> rug, whatever that saying is. <clears throat> so I was kind of um, so I was obviously upset about that, and I had a. I left that job, tried to recover um, physically, and it, it was just really tough because no matter, even if I went to the gym or if I dieted, some of this medication that they gave me was um, you know, gonna stay in my system for a while. I actually had looked it up and it was actually quite common that even months after you stopped taking it, it was still you know, affecting you. And so um, I decided I have to do something drastic. And at the same time, I was doing you know this. I had also seen um, a school in McAllen that was you know for, for to become an esthetician for aesthetics. And an esthetician is a skincare specialist, but they also do a lot of makeup artistry. And that was always you know in college, I was always a girl that. You know, my girlfriends came over to my house and I was doing not only my own makeup, but they would sit in line (laughs) for me to do their makeup and have a couple glasses of wine or whatever before we went out. But I was typically the one doing everybody's makeup. So I was thinking, well, I've been doing this for so many years. Why don't I go to school for this? So that I can charge accordingly, and this could be, you know, some side, you know, side hustle until I kind of figure out what I'm going to be doing with my back. Uh, because I tried to find other jobs. I even went to Harlingen and told a lady, "I will work for you for free if I can be your intern," and she just didn't believe in not paying interns, and she didn't think that they had enough work for me. Um, anyhow, so it kind of worked out, and I went to school to become an esthetician, and at the same time, that I started school. Um, that you know. I had to do something drastic about my weight. So I started a juicing diet. And so a juicing diet is when you make liquid, um, you know, you basically all the starches of the vegetables and the fruit are taken out and you have this, you know, very potent vitamin rich um, green juice. And I would Juice in the morning, juice at night, and then the middle of the day have like chicken and vegetables every single way you can imagine. Um, it's amazing how many different variations of chicken vegetables there are. <laughs> but did that for about six months and ended up losing about fifty pounds, and it was amazing because it was just I could feel so much energy. I didn't feel. Um, as you know, tired, I my skin was like glowing. I could be on like a video call and it was just like there was like a halo around my face. It was amazing. So while I was in school and really trying to work on that diet, we had gotten a project to make an exfoliant. So <clears throat> an exfoliant's really easy. You just get sugar, olive oil, super easy, mix it together and you're done. But the thing is I, I break out to everything. I am the best test bunny. Um all of our products that I make it tested through me for a long time and sometimes they take forever but I just have very very sensitive skin I am a natural born redhead but Hispanic so I tan so it's weird but (laughs) anyways so I made this exfoliant and we had this massage therapist at the school that had introduced essential oils and I'd never heard of them before you know granted this was almost eight years ago and you know may she rest in peace because she was like one of the best in the state she was like characterized or classified as like the top one of the top green massage therapists in the state of Texas. And she was in my class teaching us about essential oils and it was so funny because that juice is very, if you think about it, how it's extracted it's kind of similar to how essential oils are extracted. They're steam distilled from plants and herbs. So you have this really, really potent oil. So I was very intrigued because I was on this natural kick. Like I knew exactly what was going in my body at all times. um, And I was very strict with it. I'm still kind of impressed with myself to this day because I'm really trying to get back into juicing with this whole coronavirus and it is hard. Um, So uh, I did that and had that school project and I would, give out a couple samples to some girlfriends and some of my peers in the class. And one of the moments that really stuck out to me is when my teacher bought a jar to give to her son because she said she had tried everything. And I was just like, wow, I might really be onto something if my like aesthetics teacher is buying this product and the same friends that I gave those jars to ended up asking me to make them more. And they were like, "Lika, we'll pay you to do it. Just you know, make more." And it was just kind of funny. And uh, somebody said, "You know, you should try selling this at like a farmer's market or something." And I was literally broke, broke as broke can be. Um, I, because of my injury, I actually got into my aesthetics school through the Department of Assistive and Rehabilitative Services. It's called DARS. And it's when the state um, recognizes that you've had like a worker's comp injury and they try to help you get back into the workforce. So they would send me a $35 check every week, uh, not knowing that I live so close to the school, but the $35 is supposed to be for gas. So So I didn't really need it, but I would save it. And I would save it to buy these ingredients to make these jars of products and sell them at the farmer's market. The first farmer's market, I want to say I made like $120, $25, something like that. And you don't understand how broke I was.
1: I was about to say, for someone who has no money, I mean, that is that is huge, especially for the first time. A lot of entrepreneurs go out there and they sell nothing at their first market.
2: Exactly. And I was just, I had this little plastic tablecloth. Uh, if, you, if you saw our displays now, you'd be like, wow, she's come like a long way because it's it was literally a plastic tablecloth, um, you know, four little like dish towels that, you know, you buy a little set. And I had an open tester product on the dish towel and a little pyramid of like three jars behind the four products that I had made.
1: Now, I think you told us um, before that your, the initial jars you were using, um, weren't they baby food jars? Yes.
2: So it got to the point where I was really wanting to you know, order more because, you know, I started um, at that first farmer's market and it was cheaper for me to use my sister's, I was a first time aunt, it was my nephew's Gerber baby jars. I want to say to this day, they're like 56 cents and that's with, and and this is how I look at it. I'm like, that's the lid and the container, you know, and it's glass. And even to this day, I don't even think that I can get a glass container with that metal lid that cheap but I would go to the store and try to get, give it away if I could, you know, to other, you know, girls in the class, if they had kids or to my sister, just this baby wasn't eating fast enough. So I would get these Gerber baby jars, disinfect them, clean them out and start selling them at the farmer's market. But after that $125, I was hooked. I was just like, this was only like four and a half hours. And this wasn't, you know, that, Of a deal and I could do this every week and because I was going to school um for aesthetics Monday through Friday so I, I couldn't really work um and even if I could it was just I wasn't physically there yet with my back it took a really long time to get um you know my strength back there um at
0: that point in time were you just selling as you know under your name or had you already come up with in the weeds uh for the business yet?
2: So, um, in the weeds, it was about the same time. I think that right when I was tinkering with it, um, it, at one point it was in the weeds scrubs. Okay. And before that it was like, I wanted to say it was like vintage naturals or something. I, I was like, I wanted this back to basics concept that's like using, you know, let's forget all this other crappy stuff that you put in your cosmetics that is just filler ingredients. Cause in, in my aesthetic school, we learned about different, uh, parts of cosmetics, like carbomers or fillers and you know, different things that make up cosmetics. And so I was just kind of like, let's take away some of these, you know, unnecessary fillers and just make every single ingredient an active ingredient, like every ingredient really serves a purpose. And um, that's good for you. So that's kind of how it um, you know, first came about.
1: So that entrepreneurial bug kind of kind of bit you, and you had your first um, huge sell. You kind of played around with the concept of um, what in the weeds would be. So, um, how did you get from there to
0: to being awarded? I know we mentioned earlier when we we're introducing you. How did you get from there to being awarded Best in the City Cosmetics? Because that was, I mean, that's five years ago now.
2: Yes. So it's kind of crazy. So all of that happened. I want to say with the farmers market, it's my first ever farmers market was in the fall of 2012. And by the next, um, I got my DBA in 2013 at the beginning of the year. And by that next summer, the McAllen Chamber of Commerce had this innovative entrepreneurial program and you send in a prototype and uh, not to like dog on nerds because I'm all about nerds, love them. But I was up against like, people that were nerdier than me (laughs) um, and you know with their drones and all these things and a lot of them didn't have working prototypes and it was kind of like um, a shark tank situation where you present in front of a bunch of judges you pitch your product and they give you money and it's not their money Um, personally it's like money that the city has raised for this program or whatever And so I already had, um, a working prototype. I already had uh, testimonials I had before and after pictures, and I was so confident to go into walk in this room with my, and I'm a tall girl and I don't shy away from five inch heels. So I was about six, three that day, blazer, feeling myself and, uh, I walk in there and there's like seven male judges and I'm like, like, what am I going to do? Like, you know, I was like, okay. So they had all their individual jars, but it's almost to the point where I provided so much information um, about benefits and, you know, these before and after pictures and testimonials. Like, I dare I was like, I dare y'all to tell me no. So I didn't win the grand prize, but I did win um, five thousand dollars and that was like I had hit the jackpot, like I couldn't believe it. And that money was used to build my website. But since I was a little baby entrepreneur, I didn't know that I just thought you paid somebody and all of a sudden like poof like a website appears. I didn't really realize that I was the one that had to supply all the information for the website. <laughs> Um, And so the website did take a lot longer than I would have liked it to, but I was also a solopreneur at the time and also just kind of figuring out what, you know, I was doing. So um, right about that same time of the contest, I had moved up to, I say moved, I came to visit somebody in San Antonio that I was seeing and didn't just didn't really leave i'd already finished school and i hadn't gotten a job yet it was kind of the perfect little window of i finished school and if i'm gonna if this if i was gonna move it would be now and so i had stayed in san antonio since uh 2013 and right um it was in that relationship for about a year and a half and then right when it was about to you know end about the beginning of 2015 uh about three weeks before it it finally ended and it's crazy this like timeline of memory I have about all of us because um, I don't I don't even have this written down. It's just like my memory of like in the spring of 2015 we broke up and uh, but two or three weeks right before we broke up I was I had won um, San Antonio Magazine's Best of the City in the Beauty and Cosmetics category and I was just literally I don't know if I can afford this you know I, I can't afford to live on my own if I'm not living you know with my partner then you know, I might not have to go back to the valley. And then once I won, you know, best of the city, I was like, people don't win best the city and then leave the city. You know, you got to make this work, girl, you got to make this work, you know, something's got to happen. And um, it was kind of awesome, because I kind of, you know, they say everything happens for a reason, I really feel that relationship was supposed to happen solely for me to establish my roots in San Antonio and kind of hit the ground running. Because I was also in the really in a really good position in my business because I feel like the more it would be really hard for me to relocate now, you know, seven, you know, seven and a half years in, as opposed to you know, not even a year in, you know, if and I knew my business wasn't going to survive in the valley at the time. Um, it might, you know, today, but at the time, I kind of feel like it wasn't it wasn't the right location for it. And San Antonio had actually been really, really good to me because. Um, I was convinced because being from, you know, going to school in San Marcos and I used to uh, work at the bars on 6th Street when I was in college, I was sure that Austin would be this like mecca for organic and sustainability because I had studied that with, you know, sustainability with interior design in college. So I just thought Austin would be the place to be
1: it really sounds like san antonio kind of chose you 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 had it out to start your business you know austin mcallen um in and yet san antonio awarded you this um this award and and now you're stuck here so um how has that kind of helped you you grow you know you you were saying austin would be the mecca for something like this but it seems like you have really excelled here in san antonio is there anything about the city that's really helped you do that
2: Yes, totally. Um, The city has been pretty amazing, because in Austin, Austin, everybody, that that wave of everything had already happened, and San Antonio was eager to learn. So when I'd go to shows and tell people and talk to them and educate them, they were really, really receptive of, uh, you know, kind of wanting to know about these products. And one thing about San Antonio that's really amazing is that when I after that breakup happened, I moved into this live work unit where the concept is um, I live upstairs and the offices are downstairs. Well, I still use the kitchen upstairs, so it's kind of like living in a little manufacturing facility. But when I moved to that place, it had a lot of perks as far as getting in touch with the Westside Development Corporation, the WDC, and then also Live Fun, which is actually right down the road from the live work units. And then um, Live Fun is affiliated with Launch SA, and Launch SA is the real mecca of small businesses here in San Antonio. They have, you know, everything from food trucks to mentors, to consultants, uh, you know, people that make products like myself as well. I know there's a quite a few food products too, um, but Launch SA definitely helped in kind of getting to know other business owners around um, San Antonio because <clears throat> one thing that's really uh people don't really realize, and I, it kind of took me a few years too, that it doesn't matter what business you're in because other businesses have the same problem as you. We all got that one person that's on our payroll that we're like, okay, why am I paying this person for this? You know, if anything, they're costing me money. Or we have some other kind of financial issues or not having enough working capital or, you know, trying to, the rent and lease. And you know, it it's kind of, it doesn't really matter what you are in business with. Like one of my, uh, accountability partners owns a restaurant here in san antonio but and and i'm like i said i create a product and though it's two different industries you'd be surprised how many similarities that actually happen so
1: yeah and and the customers are the same too so just because you know y'all have product based and service based um i mean hitting high, you know, getting those customers and everything, I'm sure is very much the same. So you've kind of taken us from um, backstory to kind of where you are now. Um, and people, you know, our audience might have gotten a little taste of what you do, but tell us really about what In the Weeds is and what you make um, and what you do.
2: So I, uh, I introduced In the Weeds of like what um, it means in the service industry. And it's funny because I I applied that to how my life was going. It's like I was 30 years old, back injury, living with my parents, uh, not the cutest look, and then kind of trying to use that, um, you know, when you're forced to be creative, you're forced to be innovative. And that's when I started kind of tinkering, I call it, in the kitchen. So what I do is, um, I'm kind of, how do I describe it? Like a natural skincare chemist, if that makes sense. Um, So It's almost like baking, but I'm not looking for taste and smell. Um, I am looking for texture. I am looking for smell, but I'm also looking for um, results and side effects and things like that. So I use different natural ingredients or botanical infusions. I actually have, you know, crockpots of chamomile uh, sitting in apricot kernel oil at all times and, you know, different, um, like I said, infusions with these, you know, botanicals. And then I create, I just kind of, sometimes I have customers that ask for a certain product and I'm so glad that they did with the headache stick. I personally don't get a lot of headaches, but that, that headache stick, everyone is like addicted to it. Um, it's really good for allergies too. But uh, I just make these products that, I, I try to make it where they not only smell good and they feel good, but they have healing benefits as well. So these
0: products, are you still making them at home or do you have a certain location that you that you make them?
2: I am still making them in my live work unit kitchen. So, um, and then I have the offices downstairs. So we have an office room and then an inventory room downstairs. So the whole downstairs is office area. And um, I'm not staying in the live work unit as much as I used to just with everything going on. Um, Personally, I'll still come in town to just work, but um, I am looking into uh, a bigger a bigger boat either for in the weeds or kind of outsourcing through a manufacturer and the manufacturer I found, um, I never thought it would happen, but he has like the highest award of the EPA of the environmental protection agency that, that they can give you. So I I always said that if I wanted to work with another company or somebody that could help me produce this on a larger scale, they really had to meet the standards of, Mm -hmm in the weeds because, you know, we're very eco-friendly. Everything has to be recyclable or post-consumer recycled, like our packaging. If you get a little shopping bag at the farmer's market, it's already been recycled. Um, and then we also are very anti, you know, animal cruelty. I will test those products myself before I even put it on my dog. <laughs> um, and, you know, just kind of be the be the good, you know, that kind of the world needs. We don't need all this extra you know, I feel like a lot of companies um, are out there to just make money. And granted, I am trying to make money because I'm a business. But I kind of feel like, how do some of these companies that put all this like crap in their products, how do they sleep at night? Like, you know, these talc people, or you know, the Johnson Johnson had that talc issue where these people were getting cancer, and um, known carcinogens get put into cosmetics all the time. It's crazy. Those um, Susan B. Coman. Um, cosmetics. I have the pink ribbon. If you look on the back and Google those ingredients, it's so funny that cosmetic is supposed to give money. Um, the proceeds, some of it go to uh, Susan B. Cohen. But if you look at the ingredients on in the back, there's no carcinogens on the back. So it's kind of like this vicious cycle of just getting money.
0: Right. And so with these products, because, you know, you're focused on, on, on living better, living healthier, they're organic products, you make them, you know, we don't want to have these, uh, I'm sure you have words for it, but these ugly add-ins to to some of these products that people can, you know, usually buy at Walmart or HEB, but what has made, you know, your business and this kind of business – you know, sustainable over the years? Because like you said, you started in the early 2010s, you know, you've won awards in 2015. Like we said earlier, you know, you won an award in 2019. That was last year. What has made it so sustainable? I mean, are you getting these people on board with, you know, the organic movement, living healthier movement? What's really been behind that growth?
2: So I actually think that a lot of it has to do not only with the organic and the eco-friendly and animal cruelty, a lot of people do that, but I do feel that, Um, One, my aesthetics background is a plus. Two, I do break out to everything. Like I've been working on this deodorant and I have had like itchy, rashy, pimply armpits recently. It's ridiculous. But when I find the product that I feel like works for me because I'm so sensitive, then I put it out there. It's it's crazy how many like doll face. I couldn't believe the reactions people were giving me when I first made it. I kind of just thought like, oh, I made it for me and I didn't even really think about other people and even with the first batch it was just kind of like um I was just making it for myself and I had some leftovers and thank god I handed them out to people and thank god they liked it because and then it ended up tweaking you know later on Dollface face that one product it wasn't like a wham bam winner or the first time um it was pretty good the first time but it's probably been tweaked about 18 times um after that not not recently but um, I feel like when you deliver a quality product and you do it consistently, and you don't act like a jerk to people, and you treat people the way you want to be treated, and give that customer service, and you know sometimes stuff happens, and you know it's it's funny when you know something comes broken. I'm like, yeah, of course we'll send you another one. They're like, really? And I'm like, well, yeah, that's why we have insurance. You know, like, stuff happens. Um, but I just kind of feel like taking that little extra time and. I think that on our, our jars, we have these little charms. It's a hand, um, a little silver hand, and it's stamped. And it says handmade. That little detail, um, and it's attached to a bow. And I kind of feel that people see that. And I used to hand tie those bows. And thank you, Jesus, I found a company that has them pre-tied already. And elastic, I could just put them on because I was sitting there hand tying bows on these jars for the longest time. I kind of thought that in my mind, I was saying, if people see how much effort I put onto the outside of the jar, they'll, then they're going to wonder like what, does she put on the inside of the jar
1: yeah so someone who has sensitive skin i know how important it is to um to find those products and you've kind of talked about what makes yours different um based on you know just how how you test them um you do it on yourself you you and like you were saying you put so much effort into just the outside of the jar imagine the inside you know that's awesome for people to hear because i think with small businesses like yourself it is really hard to make it when there is um natural and organic organic products in the store so what was kind of like your breakthrough moment? What took you from the farmer's market down in McAllen um, to now where you are? What was that breakthrough moment? Take us take us through that.
2: I feel that um, there's been a lot of little growth spurts. I kind of feel that the biggest one is still very close by and around, you know, I feel like I've done a lot and I've done a really great job so far, but I kind of feel that um, kind of our biggest moment is still, you know, yet to come, but I want to say that um, kind of, I, I don't want to sound so cheesy, but the whole, I like, just don't give up, and I bootstrap the whole way up. Um, I started my business on $150 that I got as a check from my aunt. My, my parents are both um, educators. Both of them had gotten their master's and were in the education, so we didn't grow up with a lot of money, and, you know, I was already staying at their house, and it's just like, I don't, you ask my parents for money but my aunt gave me this check for my birthday and that was kind of what started the business but sticking to it I always tell people that want to start a business don't you know you really gotta like it you gotta really like what you do and you really gotta want it um, I would do farmers markets and shows artisan shows I've done home and garden shows I have done art walks I have done little private parties uh you name it like I've Probably, really close to to denim Mall, um, and honestly, I've done. I'm in the number about 550 shows that I've personally done of unloading the truck, setting up, setting up the whole booth, and you know, that itself shows to me perseverance. And you know, there was times where if I didn't make money that day, then we weren't going to eat for the week because the farmers' markets only happen on the weekend. So it's kind of like they had, it had to happen. Um, I, people were all, I'll be on a panel with other people and they're like, well, why did you start your business? And what, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's all nice and butterflies and berries and all that. And I'm like, I was desperate. And um, I started my business off of desperation. And <laughs> they kind of look at me, I'm like, well, I was, it's like, I was already, you know, uh, past 30, wasn't really kind of where I pictured my life to be. And I kind of felt I had to start all over again. And I was just like, okay, so what are my options? Either, you know, do this or I quit. And if I quit, then I got to go work for somebody else. And I'm kind of spoiled already. And I know that I'll probably be throwing in my two cents all the time about, don't you want to do it like this? And they'll probably fire me anyways. (laughs)
0: So you've mentioned farmers markets multiple times. You know, for your products, is is that your only um, distribution channel? Has that only been your distribution channel, or has that changed over time?
2: Yes. So we went from starting farmers markets, and I say we, but for the first four years, it was just me. Uh, three years ago, I got employees, and we started multiplying where we, you know, doing our markets to the point where um, in you know, December, October through December, we're probably doing close to 40 shows a month.
1: And that's here locally in San Antonio?
2: Yes, here in the hill country, Wimberley, um, you know, just within a radius of San Antonio, I'd say 50 miles uh, tops. Um, Did a few in Austin back in the day, but not so much anymore. But we would do that first and it was great. But the thing is so many things um, contribute that are like out of my control, like weather, weather's a big one. If it's going to be, I don't, I, got it, I was getting to the court, I was like, I don't want rain to determine how much I come home with that day.
1: Especially if you're doing that many farmer's markets. I mean, how many did you say you were doing a month? It's
2: like 40.
1: That is insane. Um, I can't even imagine doing that many in a month.
2: Yeah, well, no, it wasn't just me, it was me
1: and the team. So. And so how many about a day did that average out? Because it was, you said it was only weekends. Um, so y'all had to be doing at least multiple each weekend.
2: Yeah. So sometimes we'd have, um, eight a weekend. Um, I think the most we've ever had on one, like maybe a four, like Thursday to Sunday was 13 or something like that. Uh, but like last year, for example, Black Friday, that weekend it poured like Black Friday. I remember being set up under almost a trash bag. I was trying to like keep the products from getting wet and I had used the trash bag and duct tape just to try to know, keep my stuff, my stuff um, safe, but it just got to the point where it's kind of funny that this will, and I was set up this spring to be at all the shows. I had gotten into some of the best markets and I was really excited and then COVID happened. Mm -hmm. And funny though, though we're only down, we're down to one market a weekend, um, one physical market. Now we do every um, two, every week, we have two Facebook lives on our Facebook page, and then we also have the website. So we've always had the website, but the challenge was switching the numbers from how much money our uh, farmers markets were bringing versus our website. And so, our farmers were bringing in instant cash and also really cheap PR. Um, Even if they didn't buy something, we got to give them our car. They got to know that we were out there. And sometimes, you know, they would come back later after they stocked our page. I would tell them, if you don't want to buy today, stock our page. You know, see our reviews. Um, If you have any questions, I'll be happy to help you. That number goes straight to my phone. Call or text me. I'll be happy to, you know, answer your questions. And so, kind of leaving that transparency there. Also helped, too, because um, it's kind of like, no, I, I live here in San Antonio. I'm pretty easy to get a hold of because I'd be like, well, what if I do like it? Then how do I find you for you know, the next product? I'm like, too easy. I'm here every week for somebody else's. Um, but it has been one of those um, blessings in disguise. And I'm really hoping that COVID is kind of the amazing opportunity that I didn't know I wish I wanted, if that makes sense
1: to kind of transition more to the online?
2: Yes, because it's also been giving me an opportunity to look at some of the issues that we've been having internally, the logistical issues of a business
1: yeah so you've, you've you've kind of had to slow down and actually um, you know look at those internal things and now so you do a lot of farmers markets and I know you're trying to shift away from that but that has to do with San Antonio and so we just kind of want to ask um, what has San Antonio done for your business to help it grow and um, you know does it lack anything does is something different about San Antonio and that's why you've really been
2: able to excel Um, San Antonio has just been amazing in the sense of, one, there's a lot of support for entrepreneurs. It's one of the best cities in the nation, especially for female entrepreneurs. Um, And it's been listed as that. I want to say it's in top three. But um, just the resources are amazing. Um, I'm also part of a group of, um, it's called NAVO. It's the National Association of Women Business Owners, which is just a, you know, at our annual meeting, and unfortunately, we couldn't have it, you know, this year, because of everything going on, but when you walk into this room, there's, like, 150 bosses, like, badass women, so you (laughs) can feel this, like, energy, it's almost, like, I feel like a little guppy in this pool of, you know, amazing women, so, um, the San Antonio chapter is actually one of the fastest growing chapters there, too, um, and then, like I said, launch essay, my first mentor was, um, her name's Margo, and she was through Launch Essay, and the amount of growth I had during my time with her was amazing. So um, yeah, San Antonio has been really good, and it makes me feel really bad because when I lived in San Marcos, I used to tell people that I didn't care for San Antonio. I don't want to say that I used the word hate, but I might have, and um, I said the only thing I like about San Antonio was the Spurs. I was a hardcore Spurs fan, and I was so resisting of Living in San San Antonio, even when I first got here, I was trying to convince my partner, like, let's go to Austin. Like, I don't want to be here. And it's so funny the way things ended up. And it's almost like I just want to eat my words because San Antonio has been one of the, the most inviting, welcoming places for my business. And, um... You know, I fight for San Antonio all the
0: time. Yeah. And we know that personally firsthand and we've talked in, in, in previous podcasts about how San Antonio has really changed, not just in general with businesses, but also people's viewpoints of the, of the city. Like you said, I mean, you were definitely not alone, you know, in, in thinking, you know, I want to stay in Austin or, or anywhere else, really. Um, they didn't see San Antonio as that place to be. And, and now it's kind of transitioned into that type of city. Uh, but, but f- for your business, you know, looking forward, you've had all this success looking forward, what, you know, what type of legacy do you wish to leave for your business on this city? Um, you know, going forward.
2: So a legacy that I would like to leave, um, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, especially, um, since I've been kind of working on my brand and what I want my brand to, to carry on through the years and one of the legacies I want to leave is that you can be the person uh, that cares about the environment and cares about animals and cares about yourself, and that's not like a bad thing. You know, it's almost like, I remember growing up, it's like the tree, they'd call them tree huggers or those, you know, those hippies or whatever, and they almost made it seem like caring about stuff like that made you... It was
0: almost like a bad thing.
2: Yeah, a negative connotation somehow. Right. And one thing I like about my my product line is that I like to have serious products with like, or I want to have serious, or products with serious results, but not like the stuffiness that you get from like these cosmetics that kind of look like medically and, you know, I don't know, it's kind of like, I want, I want it to be where this is a lifestyle and it's fun and it's not such a, it's not a bad thing to care about all these things. Like, Know, don't be you know a jerk to somebody else don't be uh you know don't abuse animals and I see these videos I'm just like god I want to like kill that asshole but you know it's just <laughs> I, I just I kind of feel like it's important to make it to where all these things are important and it's okay and you know if anything the people that don't where like I want to change that stigma of you know I was talking to a a friend of mine who's a branding uh, strategist and about what in the weeds means to me, it's just like, I, I have skin issues. and I want these to be taken care of, but it always seemed that you had to cut a corner somewhere else, whether it be the environment or, you know, animal cruelty or animal testing and things like that to get it. And I, I kind of feel like there, there should be a way where everybody kind of gets that in, that inclusive equality, respect kind of that we all have. Um, as part of our core values out of the weeds.
0: Right. So as, and this is my favorite question on the podcast, as a fellow entrepreneur yourself, what is some advice that you would give to, to future entrepreneurs and future startups?
2: I love this question. I love this question because um, one thing I love about myself is that I'm very direct with people when they ask me this question. And usually I don't think that I think they, I think they think I'm going to sugarcoat it. One don't do this unless you love it, because trust me, one day it's gonna catch up to you, and you're gonna be at a fork in the road, and you're gonna be like, "How much do I love this?" Trust me, every entrepreneur has gone through it. If you can't, you can't fake it. Um, if you ever try to open a business up just to make money, um, there are some businesses, don't get me wrong, that you can do that. Um, But I really don't think that they're few and far between compared to, like, a business that was built with, like, passion and a purpose. Um, The other one would be uh, kind of related to number one. When you get to that crossroads, um, you can't quit. Because then you're just, like, all the other statistics, like... um, one out, only one out of 10 small businesses survives <clears throat> and 50% of them are done in the first you know, three years or whatever that saying is. Um, I always, I always look at the nine, 10. I was like, I don't want to be the nine out of 10. I want to be the one out of 10. Uh, if it was easy, everyone would do it. Everyone would own a business because everyone thinks it's all about like, oh, I'm my own boss. I have the best you know, schedule ever, uh, which isn't the case. I can move things around. I tell people this. I'm very flexible. I can move things around a lot. But you know, there are some like, nope, I have to be at this meeting at this time. You know, that's just kind of how it goes. But if you think that starting a business equals having all the days off you want in a row, you are sadly mistaken because I have not had a day off since my uncle's funeral if you want to count that as a day off and that was about three weeks ago. Um, Zach and I can really yeah. attest to that as small
1: business owners. we we really understand that. Um, definitely- yeah and
2: it's such a big misconception you know you work to get to that at some point but that doesn't happen usually for a while um, where the business can run itself and when you have gotten there it's definitely a tier that you know, you should celebrate because, because it is difficult. Um, I can probably leave out of town for a few days and the business would be fine. But as far as like a month, no, like I'm just not, I'm just not there yet.
0: And that's definitely the plus of being self-employed. I, we can definitely attest to that. But Lika, before we get you out of here today, tell us, tell our audience where we can find you, what, you know, what your usual farmer's markets, your social media pages, your website, where can we find your product?
2: So if you are in the San Antonio area, we are still consistently at our Sunday market. It's at the quarry. It's called the Alamo Heights Farmer's Market. It's a really nice market. Uh, and I love that they're doing social distancing right now. Even the tents are spread apart and only one group of you know people that come together are allowed at the tents at a time. So, and it's open air. So we're outside wearing masks. So it's a really safe environment. I think possibly even safer than going to the grocery store. So we're there every Sunday from 10 to 2. Then we also have our website, it's shopintheweeds.com. And uh, we also offer free shipping on orders over $40. And then we're also on Instagram, um, in the weeds natural skincare, separated by underscores, and on Facebook. And please catch our Facebook lives. We actually have one tomorrow, it's going to be at 7 p.m. So we have one on Wednesdays at 7 p.m., and then one on Sundays. Uh, I'm sorry, Saturdays at 10 a.m. So we have our brunch and buys and our wind down Wednesdays. And every single week, we have a different special that you can only get at the live sale. So there you go. Facebook, Instagram, and of course, our Farmer's Market in town and shopinthewings.com.
1: Well, thank you so much, Lika, for being here. Um, we have thoroughly enjoyed listening to your um, you. start from the Gerber baby jars to where you are now. And um, listeners, make sure you definitely go check all, out all her Facebook lives. Um, I am so excited to try out your products as a sensitive skin um, person myself. So, yeah, again, just thank you so much for being here and sharing this, this great story with us.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It's truly been my pleasure
1: hey guys it's
0: zach as some of you may know i help people plan for retirement and as your advisor i can not only show you how money truly works but put you in control of your money today and in retirement if you're looking to schedule a financial review please give me a call at 210-760-0409 Thank you for listening to this archived episode of the original essay talk podcast. I really hope you enjoyed the interview. If you enjoyed this episode and are looking for more content, you'll want to hit that subscribe or follow button, depending on which podcast platform you are using. If you're listening on Apple podcasts, I do also ask that you please give us a rate and review that really helps the podcast grow. Lastly, if you want to keep up with the podcast, check us out on social media at SAPod Network. Take care and Viva San Antonio.